Hi, this is Father Bill W. I am an Episcopal priest living here in Austin, Texas, and I've had the gift of sobriety since uh, December 27th of 1972. So I'm working into my 50th year of recovery. And uh, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. Um, I, those of you who've listened to the podcast know that uh, oh, when I was about 20 years sober, I, I took a real turn in my recovery and started diving into the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then over the years have uh, kind of blended that with uh, a study of the psychology of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous as well. And in my old age now, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of blend those two together. So these podcasts are an attempt to give you uh, some of the history, some of the early history, the pioneer program that AA's worked, which was deeply, deeply spiritual, and then an understanding of some of the psychology that underlies um, the transformation process, the change process that addicts have to go through uh, if they want to really enjoy the fruits of recovery. So we've got a podcast uh, uh, today that's going to start looking at uh, uh, transformation and uh, <clears throat> If you've listened to me uh, before, you know that uh, I find Carl Jung really, really important in AA history and in understanding the psychology that I was talking about a little bit earlier. He's mentioned in the big book, of course, in chapter two, where he sends his patient, uh, Roland Hazard, in search of a psychic change. Uh, and it's really a change in consciousness that he sends him searching for. And there's a quote in the big book that really got my attention. Maybe it did yours as well that, uh, you know, uh, Roland at first got sober, but then he quickly relapsed. And when he comes back to Jung, Jung says this to him, he says, quote, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you, unquote. See, I think some people in, in recovery can, uh, can work some steps, can uh, work uh, uh, a kind of a basic program and uh, maybe not drink, maybe not drug. Uh, but <laughs> for those of us who... Um, require a little more in-depth work, uh, that kind of a solution is not going to be satisfactory. So we've got to, we've got to go deeper with the program, deeper with the steps, and deeper on the spiritual journey. Uh, so here's, here's Jung sending his patient in search of this change. Uh, as most of you know, that's exactly what Roland experienced. He joined the Oxford group, started doing some in-depth work and, uh, and, and experienced uh, that kind of a change. And so it's always fascinated me, what is this change? What is this uh, psychic change, this uh, emotional rearrangement it's called in, in the big book? You know, when you're first starting out, these, these words don't make a lot of sense. But after you, I guess in my case, after having traveled this journey for quite a while now, 
it makes absolute sense that uh, this, this is the key, not just to not drinking, but to having satisfactory, enjoyable recovery. Uh, that's a real joy that, that makes even all the pain that we went through uh, uh, worth the admission. Jung plays an important role in AA. I did at the beginning, uh, I've done some podcasts uh, looking at the uh, relationship between Jung and AA, the correspondence that Bill Wilson did uh, in writing to uh, Jung to express his gratitude for this. But so how do, you, how do you start? I guess my question is, is how do you really start digging into, into Carl Jung? I get that question from uh, listeners uh, from time to time. And the only thing I can tell you is, is Jung is a little bit difficult, uh, maybe a whole lot difficult. He's, he, he's a scientist. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, and, and to tackle Jung uh, just from his works, uh, it was, well, it's kind of like the series we did just recently on William James, that uh, some of us find uh, William James's work, the varieties of religious experience, uh, where he's tackling some of these issues uh, to be very difficult. So if you can find a book that uh, explains it, uh, in language that you can begin to understand, then I think it may open up the, the journey of transformation uh, more widely to people. And that's what I've always tried to be about is, is trying to break down uh, some, some of the complex issues of recovery so that people can get access to them, gain access to them. And a writer who really helped me in doing this and understanding Jung was a fellow by the name of Robert A. Johnson. And uh, he studied under Jung, has written a, a number of books. They tend to be very simple books, uh, but deep books. They're, they're short, uh, most of them under 100 pages. Uh, but, but he tries to capture the essence of some, uh, some of the rich language and concepts that Jung uh, expressed through his writings. And, and so I, I'm going I'm to do something a little different uh, this time in this series. I, I want to take Johnson's book. It's titled Transformation, Understanding the Three Levels of Masculine Consciousness. Now, don't let that throw you. And we get a lot of women who listen to this, these podcasts. I don't think it's going to be terribly different um, uh, for, for a woman to understand it, but it is the title that it is. And, uh, and in some ways, there is different, a difference between uh, masculine psychology and feminine psychology, which is, does not always equate to a difference between men and women. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're both made up of uh, two sides, the feminine and the masculine. Uh, again, one of those concepts that's uh, a little hard to, uh, uh, to understand uh, in the beginning. But anyway, so this book, uh, Transformation, uh, I want to go through it. I probably read it 10, 12 times. I keep going back to it because uh, it, it takes me deeper and deeper into an understanding of my own consciousness. And what I've read about consciousness is... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to understand it fully because uh, oh, it's like a fish trying to understand water, you know, you, you're just in it, you're experiencing it. 
So how can you experience it at uh, levels, perhaps, that you can appreciate, understand, and grow beyond? I think that's kind of the key, to grow beyond them, to know where you are, know that you're stuck, know that there's a place I'm moving towards, and then uh, begin that spiritual journey that we are on. So I'm going to read uh, more than I usually do on a uh, podcast like this, but uh, the book is, is short. I probably won't, I'm not going to read it all, but I am going to kind of go into the introduction and I'll uh, make some comments along the way as they, particularly as they relate to people in 12-step recovery. So the book, Transformation. Johnson starts off saying, tradition indicates that three levels of consciousness are available to us. Simple consciousness, not often seen in our modern technological world. Complex consciousness, the usual state of educated Western man and an enlightened state of consciousness known only to a very few individuals, which is the culmination of human evolution and can be attained only by highly motivated people after much work and training. Uh, I had a sponsor who used to say, um, most of the people he knew in recovery had what he would call, he called them having undergone a limited conversion. So Bill, most people you're going to meet in AA will have a limited conversion. They're, they will have gotten some of this thing, but they will not have gotten all. And I, and I think he was right. There's a, a percentage of the population, any spiritual practice, and AA is a spiritual practice. For the folks who've gone really deep, uh, who've undergone a transformation, and there are many who are kind of stuck uh, having experienced some of it, um, but certainly not all of it. And, um, and I guess we can each get stuck along the line. I don't know that it's uh, that you get a stamp on your head saying you're enlightened, but if, if you've done the work, you will know uh, what Johnson is talking about in this process. So l- let's have him explain it a little bit more. Proverbs in many languages point out these three levels of consciousness. One story, for instance, relates that the simple man comes home in the evening wondering what's for dinner. The complex man comes home pondering the imponderables of fate. And the enlightened man comes home wondering what's for dinner. Simple man and enlightened man have much in common, including a direct, uncomplicated view of life. And so they react in similar ways. The only true difference between them is that the enlightened man is conscious of his condition, while the simple man is not. Complex man, on the other hand, spends much of his time worrying and often is in a state of anxiety. Some of the wise old men and women who who have gone through the journey and and we're just starting off and uh, we're stuck 
we're stuck in what uh, Johnson would call complex consciousness. And we long for maybe the simpler consciousness that we used to have, you know, back when life was just fun, drinking was just a ball, uh, but you can't go back. That's, uh, that's the message of consciousness, that once you've changed, once you've progressed to a certain level, you, you can't go home again. He goes on, our biblical traditions uh, take us from simple perfection of the Garden of Eden through every imaginable chaos and leads us finally to the heavenly Jerusalem. So again, three levels of consciousness, Garden of Eden consciousness, conflict and turmoil consciousness, New Jerusalem consciousness. Our psychological traditions also validate the existence of three levels. Fritz Kunkel, a psychotherapist um, in the 30s to 50s, observed that human beings proceed from red-blooded to pale-blooded to gold-blooded consciousness. You see, from red-blooded, the instincts, the vitality, the youth, the, 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 the simplicity to pale-blooded, where I start to lose contact with that world that gives me strength and vitality. I lose connection with it, see? And then to gold-blooded consciousness. And that is uh, once I have regained that connection to that world. But I do it as a mature individual not as a, as a regressive uh, kind of thing. Johnson says, this was his simple way of describing the three levels of consciousness open to us. Dr. Esther Harding was one of the first uh, female psychiatrists in the United States uh, who had studied under Jung. Uh, Harding ha has pointed out that psychic energy can manifest itself in three ways, as instinct, that's that raw, rough, stuff uh, deep down inside us, and, and, and Wilson talks about that, as ego consciousness, and that's the stuck part, and as investment in the self with a capital S. Johnson will describe it. He says, man evolves from acting instinctively to putting his psychic energy under the control of his ego. And this is part of the evolution. This is part of growing up, that I've got this instinctive energy and this instinctive vitality that goes, goes along with it, eh? Uh, but then that goes under the control of the ego. And then he must evolve further to place his psychic energy under the control of the self, with a capital S. That higher consciousness is variously called God, enlightenment, satori, or samadhi. That's the altered state of consciousness. That's the evolution that we should go through in growing up, but not many people do it. Again, back to my first sponsor, he said, Bill, we've got a real advantage over these earth people. If we don't do it, we die. And, and so you better work at it, you know, where other people can just kind of live on the surface of life. You and I have got to dive into the deeper elements of life or, uh, or, or we're not going to make it. And I took him very seriously. 
because I think he was right. Johnson says, one looks in vain for examples of the man of simple consciousness in our complex Western world. We often project this quality onto dark-skinned minorities and women and then resent them for it. Writing of his, his experience at Walden Pond, Thoreau chronicles a complex man's attempts to regain the simplicity of his life. Our own culture, counterculture movement of the 60s was an attempt to restore contact with Mother Earth and natural living. Uh, we, we lose our connection to life. We lose our connection, our groundedness, and we become neurotic and lost and terrified because what? We don't know who the hell we are. We don't know who the hell we are. And you start really digging into uh, the symptoms that underlie our drinking. We, we try to go back to the last place of security we found. And, and for me, last place of security I found uh, was not feeling, getting drunk, getting stoned, uh, uh, not doing life felt better than the life that I was stuck in. All right. So that's the complex and, and trying to get back to the simple. Um, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. Talks about India a lot. Uh, Robert Johnson does. India uh, profoundly affected him uh, in many, many ways. And, and he says this, uh, he said, when I, when I first went to India, I had been warned of the horrors I would encounter. Lepers, corpses on the street, poverty, maimed children and beggars. All of this was true and I withstood the impact of the darkness as best I could. I had not been warned, however, of the great happiness of the people. When I saw people who had so little to be happy about, living in an unshakable happiness, I was completely thrown. I was witnessing the miracle of simple man finding happiness in a rich inner world, not in the pursuit of some desired goal. Uh, I went to India uh, a few years back, only for a couple of days, but I, I experienced exactly what, what Johnson is, is talking about. It was a, a religious feast uh, when we landed in Mumbai and, and, uh, and the people were out in the streets and they were happy and they were joyous and the, and, and the unbelievable poverty uh, and filth that was all around me. I mean, it was, it was a, a contrast that uh, I have never forgotten and never will. Johnson says, later, I inquired into the origin of the word happy and found that it derives from the verb to happen. In other words, happiness is to be found simply from observing what happens. If you cannot be happy at the prospect of lunch, you are not likely to find happiness anywhere. What happens is happiness. Big book, you know, spiritual axiom. Anytime I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. 
You know, um, if something doesn't fit. It's not the way I want it to be. That's the stuckness of uh, three-dimensional consciousness. Simple man lives in this consciousness and finds happiness in a rich inner world, no matter what the outer circumstances may be. Men of enlightened consciousness know this noble fact and live in a philosophy and an attitude of happiness. For them, happiness bridges the inner world and objective fact, a connection that simple man is not capable of making. And now what, what Johnson is gonna do is study three, um, three cases from literature, have something to teach us about each of these different levels of consciousness. So he says, Don Quixote, who will be the carrier of simple man in our inquiry, knows the colorful world of his inner life, his imagination, but he knows it at the expense of outer fact and reality. This way of life is rich and highly durable, but it requires a superior man to maintain it in the face of outer reality. So the simple man is living in direct relationship with the inner world, but at the expense of outer reality. Okay, complex man, lost to the simple attitude of happiness, and not yet understanding that God is what is. <laughs> Let me read that again. Complex man, lost to the simple attitude of happiness, and not yet understanding that God is what is, remains stranded in his worry, loneliness, and anxiety. A Hindu teacher once told me that the highest form of worship is simply to be happy. This happiness is known only to simple men and enlightened ones. Complex man, in between in consciousness, remains trapped by nostalgia for the past or anticipation of the future that mostly eludes his grasp. I mean, we look at our consciousness. Is it drifting back to the past? Shame, guilt, or nostalgia? Let me get back to what I was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, can't do it. Guilt, shame, uh, or regressive uh, immaturity. That's one direction. The other direction going forward is fear, anxiety. I'll never get there. I can't get there. And, and the now becomes that painful place in between. Well, what you're trying to do in, in this is to expand the consciousness of now, um, that God is what is, that God is to be found in the immediacy of now, not in the future, not in the past, but in the now, and if I can bring my consciousness to that level, I am going to find happiness, joy, peace, serenity, no matter what's coming down. I'm not going to deny that it's painful, but I'm going to be at peace within the pain. All right. Johnson says a whole generation of complex men have been thrilled and vicariously nourished 
by such books as Zorba the Greek, which portrays a wonderful earthy Greek who experienced the vitality of his life in a direct way. Uh, I'm going to put an attachment uh, to the in the show notes to a little YouTube clip. I encourage you to go and watch it. It's it's that scene in Zorba the Greek where Zorba, who is in touch as as Johnson says with the vitality of life, meets an uptight Englishman uh, who is uh, has lost his connection to it. He cannot dance. He cannot experience joy. He cannot experience freedom. And Zorba teaches him to dance. And it's a beautiful, beautiful experience as you watch him. And you, I encourage you to do that, to, to watch uh, the stuckness of the Englishman, the uptightness uh, of his level of consciousness, and the level of connection that Zorba has to something beyond himself, that he is obviously and evidently in in conscious contact with. Goes on, because we have the unjustifiable opinion that complex consciousness is highly desirable, uh, we very carefully educate our young out of their simplicity as early in life as possible. See, they're in touch with it. But parents are very proud if their youngsters can read and write or gain computer skills at a very early age. This often produces children who've been robbed of their childhood and been driven from their Garden of Eden much too early and who therefore develop neuroses, uh, stuckness later in life. Societies before the modern era and those still functioning in less developed parts of the world believe that most people are to be left permanently in simple consciousness in the Garden of Eden unless they give solid proof of their ability to make their way through complex consciousness and on to higher consciousness. Thus, only a few very precocious individuals are allowed to acquire complex consciousness. Uh, medieval Catholicism is often accused of trying to keep most of its people in a peasant state and allowing education only to those few destined to sainthood or priesthood. The church censured Galileo, not for stating a supposed falsehood, but for speaking the truth to those the church considered unprepared to hear. So Galileo uh, says what? That uh, the, the earth uh, revolves around the sun. And, and before that, the belief had been that Sun revolved around the earth, made, made more sense. So he gets in trouble not for telling the truth, but for disturbing the common mentality, you know, for people who were not ready to hear that. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say that uh, a guy will say, or a woman, that, that they went to seminary and they lost their faith. In, in many cases, it's true. They lost their faith, but what kind of a faith did they go in there with? It was a naive, a childish faith that needed to be lost, all right? I mean, if you want to become a, a, a literalist and a fundamentalist, uh, yes, you can, you, you can do that, but you're going to do it at a cost, and you're going to pay a price for that. 
Yes, it's to lose that faith and to gain another faith, a different faith, an enlightened faith, not a fundamentalist one. And I see the same thing happening with, with the program, you know? We, 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 we turn it into a religion, and we memorize the lines, and uh, if anyone tries to change them, they're banished to hell. <laughs> it, it's just the same process. Eh? So um, this, uh, this Garden of Eden theme is, is important. Jung warns about, about attempting to go back to it. You, you can't go back. Once you've left simple consciousness in favor of complex consciousness, you can never regain the simplicity of the peasant or the red-blooded man. Returning to the Garden of Eden is not possible once you've been expelled from it. For as scripture informs us, there is an angel with a fiery sword standing there to refuse our return. Johnson says, put more simply, you can't go home again. You can't go home again. One of the things uh, when I got sober uh, almost 50 years ago now, to a group of enablers, a family that was riddled with alcoholism, and I would just reassume my position within that family. And, and they, would, they would suck me back into uh, drinking and drugging. That's where almost all of the men in my family were. I don't want to get overly dramatic about it, but I, I think this is the journey of every alcoholic, that, that we've got to chart for ourselves a course through life. And you need to know it's, it's not going to be easy, but you don't want to stay stuck and you can't go home. I'm a big believer in the four absolutes. Um, it's one of the things that the pioneers were really big on, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. Uh, they're, they're what Wilson said he put into steps six and seven. But if I, if I ever had a chance to add one to it, the virtue I would add is courage. Because I think uh, an alcoholic, an addict, someone who's uh, starting this journey of recovery is going to need that. And that's where I think conscious contact with God at the level of prayer at the level of two-way prayer, where I'm, I'm put in touch with this source of security, of love, of companionship, uh, feeling expelled from the garden. It's, um, it's God walking with me uh, in this journey. So what, what Johnson is going to do in this, in this book and what I'm going to do in this series is try to explain these three levels of consciousness. The simple level that we can't go back to the Don Quixote. So next episode, we'll, we'll look at him and, and, and see what he was about and what he was trying to do. And then in the next episode, we'll look at uh, an example of complex consciousness. And that is uh, best described in the form of Hamlet, to be or not to be. He was stuck and he wouldn't make a choice wouldn't go this way, wouldn't go that way. Just thought about it. Thought about it to the point where brought uh, chaos to everyone around him. It's a tragedy. And that's the tragedy of addiction. 
that we stay stuck instead of growing. And then fourth dimensional consciousness, Johnson is going to describe him through Faust, Goethe's Faust. Going to be like going back to high school and maybe taking some of the literature that we uh, read in there and perhaps didn't understand. Uh, but now, either later in life, we can look at it differently, or even if you're early in recovery, uh, you can look at it and understand what it is about your life that you're going through. I think Johnson will be, uh, I hope he will be for you as he has been for me, a companion on that journey, that we, we find our teachers who can open up the world of spirituality, the world of psychology. And, and in these days, those two have really blended psychology, at least the way Jung uh, practiced it, had everything to do with finding the true self inside. And uh, as the big book would put it, the great reality within. So that's, uh, that, that's going to be the journey. I'll, I'll put a link where you can get transformation. It's, um, uh, and, and, and many of Johnson's books are, are really solid gold uh, as far as taking these difficult concepts and breaking them down in simple ways, I hope simple ways, you know, that uh, we addicts and alcoholics can understand. So I hope this uh, episode is helpful for you. I hope the series is going to be helpful for you. It's something I've been thinking about doing for a long time, but just didn't have the courage to, to do. So uh, finally got the courage and here we are. So hope you'll stay with me. So thank you for listening. God bless. And